0: Where does one begin when speaking of God? A biography usually starts at the beginning, with its subject's birth and ancestry, but the God of Scripture, unlike the gods of myth, is uncreated and eternal. He has no beginning or point of origin. He has no ancestors. For this reason, God's account of Himself in Scripture begins not with His creation, but with ours. If the Bible is the history of God, it is only a record of recent history. Why this had to be the case should be obvious. God's existence in what we call the past is infinite. It's not possible to grasp, let alone record. God's eternal nature is also unlimited in its power and scope. He is not bound by time or space like we are. He is not dependent on anyone or anything but sustains everything that exists. The full scope of all that God is and has done is beyond our view. There's too much to know and too much to write. Even if it could be written, it is doubtful that we would be able to comprehend it. The Bible only records what we might call God's recent history because it begins with our history. It's a mistake to think of the Bible as the autobiography of God. It's just the opposite. The Bible is God's biography of us. From the Bible, we know something about what God is like. God has shown us this through what he has said and done in our world. The Bible also tells us about ourselves. In many respects, the Bible tells humanity's story as much as it does God's. The theologians have a word for this. They call it revelation. Divine self-revelation is where all knowledge of God begins. We only know about God because He has chosen to reveal Himself to us. Moreover, what we know about God is dependent upon what God has chosen to reveal. We cannot put God on a slab to dissect Him and expose all His parts. We cannot watch Him through a microscope or find Him in the world's most powerful telescope. If we are to know what God is like, He must show us Himself. God has done this in two primary ways. God has revealed Himself by actions and in words. The Bible also shows that God has done this in two different modes. One is broad, the other is narrow. There are some things that God has revealed to everyone. They are plain for all who are willing to see. These truths are expressed in the universal language of creation. This is what the psalmist means when he says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of His hands. The psalmist goes on to describe creation as a kind of nonverbal communication that goes out into all the earth. This general revelation of God is also communicated to us internally. Because this internal message operates on the level of conscience, its function is primarily negative. The primary purpose of internal general revelation is to show us that we are not like God. The Apostle Paul explains its negative function when he says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. Another important feature of this general revelation is its limited scope. Neither the external general revelation of creation or the internal general revelation of conscience can tell us everything that can be known about God. They don't even tell us the most important things that we should know about Him. This mode of revelation covers only a few basics. In a way, general revelation is God's kindergarten limiting its message to God's eternal power and divine nature. General revelation tells us that God exists, that He is the Creator, and that we are not Him. Fortunately, God has also chosen to reveal Himself on another band. This is a mode that the theologians call special revelation. Special revelation is more narrow than general revelation. While general revelation is available to everyone, Special revelation was experienced by only a few. God revealed himself to a few chosen messengers who passed what they had heard from God down to others. Special revelation is also narrow in its focus. The message of special revelation primarily has to do with God's plan to redeem humanity from sin. Special revelation was personal and ultimately verbal. The things God said and did were written down and collected in the scriptures. They describe His saving acts and interpret those actions for us. They tell us what God expects of us and give us a glimpse of what God will do in the future. When you read the Bible, you quickly discover that God did not make Himself known all at once. Instead, He revealed Himself in stages. This progressive revelation of God reaches its peak in the person and work of Jesus Christ. As the writer of the New Testament book of Hebrews observed, in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom He made the universe. God, who dwells outside of history, entered history to make himself known once and for all in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Not only does Jesus reveal God to us in human terms, but he also shows us what God had in mind when he created the world. If the Bible is a history of the human race described from God's perspective, Jesus Christ is the key that unlocks that history for us. Jesus is the bridge that connects God's story with human history. Jesus is the end toward which all God's words and works in the world tend. Jesus is the sum of all that God has to say about Himself. Revelation shows us what we can know about God, but the fact that God has shown us Himself in this way reveals something about us as well. It proves that there is something that stands in the way of our understanding God. The word the Bible uses for this is sin. Not surprisingly, this is where the Bible's history of God begins, not just with creation, but with humanity's departure from God through disobedience. Therefore, if we want to describe God's history with humanity in simple terms, we could probably articulate it in three sentences. God made us. We rejected Him. So God took on human nature and came to redeem us in person. The Bible's revelation of God is not a collection of vague philosophies or abstract facts. Everything that revelation has to say about God has redemption at its center. Everything that can be said about divine revelation, the discipline that we call theology, can pretty much be divided into five categories. The nature of God. The nature of humanity. The person and work of Jesus Christ. The nature of redemption and God's plan for bringing this stage of his history to a close. Where does one begin when speaking about God? We begin with God. The only way to begin with God is to begin with what God has said. Everything that we can say about God depends upon what God has said Himself. Scripture tells us that God has shown Himself both by word and action, but between these two, it is Scripture that must have the primary place. Scripture both describes and interprets God's actions for us. But why would God reveal Himself to us in the first place? It's not so that we would accumulate facts about him. The goal of revelation is faith. We study scripture so that we might know about God, and by knowing that we might come to believe. For as the writer of the book of Hebrews observed, without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him.